There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. It's great to be back with you uh, for yet another week, another fantastic guest. And I'm so excited to have Phil M. Jones back on the show again. It's been over five years, Phil. So I'm uh, I'm excited about today. Be, uh, be great because last the last interview that we did um, in June of 2017, if any, anyone wants to check it out in the archive, was absolutely brilliant. Um, so uh, do check that out. And um, before I introduce you to Phil, I'd love to say, um, you know, wherever you are, hope things are going well. And the purpose of this show is really to help you to elevate your thinking, elevate your game, elevate your business, but do it in a way that contributes to a better world rather than uh, causing more problems and challenges out there. Uh, and, um, you know, today we're going to be talking about exactly what to say. But before we do that, last week's show, I had Stuart Pickles and Stuart talked about how to become uh, an agent for change. And Stuart has been a client of mine for gosh, eight, nine years, something like that now. And I've seen his business grow and develop and multiply. But the thing about Stuart that I absolutely love about him is he always set the intention that he wanted to do more meaningful work. So every month when we get together for our online calls around his business, it's about how can I be more meaningful? How can I contribute to a better world? How can I help solve the world's problems? And today he is, is involved with a multitude of initiatives and projects um, some of them on a global basis, uh, and uh, he shared his enthusiasm last week, and he shared some of the, the projects that he's doing internationally, the businesses he's involved in and leading, uh, and the work he's doing with clients, and the work he's doing at a local level around climate change and diversity. So I hope you got some good ideas and some inspiration uh, from that. So do check it out if you've not uh, not read it or listened to it. Um, so today we're going to talk about exactly what to say with Phil M. Jones. And often the decision between a customer choosing you over someone like you is your ability to know exactly what to say and when to say it and how to make it count. And, and if, like me, you've got teenage children, you will also uh, be thinking actually knowing exactly what to say um, could be also very helpful with uh, with the family and very important. But in life, sometimes we have those critical moments, don't we, when when actually it's really important. There can be pivotal moments that can make everything change. It could be a new sale. It could be a conversation with a potential partner, a collaborator. It could be conversations with a supplier, with, with government, whatever it may be. But knowing exactly what to say could make all the difference to unlock whether it's successful or not. So I'm really delighted to welcome back Phil M. Jones, who's trained more than 2 million people across five continents, over 50 countries in the lost art of spoken communication. And we're going to talk about exactly what to say uh, and the tactics you need to get more of what you want. Now, Phil is a master of influence and persuasion, and he's the author of the best-selling Exactly book series with an incredible over a million copies sold. And he's the producer of the most listened to non-fiction audio book of all time. Uh, so we're in really esteemed company today. And he's um, he's has today 
uh, impacted more than 800 different industries across 59 countries and five continents. They've all benefited from help, his help. So let's find out uh, from a yeah, master of communication and influence um, what we need to say to change the world today. So a big welcome to Phil M. Jones. Hey, Chris, great to be here. And thanks for that that big, prestigious welcome. I guess um, no pressure now, right? No pressure for the rest of the show. Well, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. I, I know that people listen to you, Phil. I remember the interview we did um, over five years ago now, and uh, we, we had a lot of people listen to that show. And it clearly, you have a, a real following for your work. And uh, I know your work has become a movement, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But maybe we could start today, Phil, by just maybe sharing with us what you know have been the key kind of lessons because i'm curious about this the key lessons um for you in, in this unusual time in history man i don't know what you've you did five years ago to make all this happen phil but a lot's happened um <laughs> i know it wasn't you uh, um but tell us what have you what do you know now that you didn't know before what do I know now that I didn't know before? Where, where's the gateway in this? Where's the, where's the timeline that we're going that I didn't know then, but I do know now? Are we looking well, 2017? Are we looking start looking of pandemic? What do you 2017, think? 2017, but wherever you want to start, because I, th I think there must be, there must be, you know, a, you know, a thought or two which has come out of the last five years that maybe you didn't have five years ago. So that's oh, what I'm trying sure. to see. What, what, what did the pandemic being at home with your family? What's, uh, was it, did it come out of that? Has it come out of some work you've been doing and what you've seen post pandemic? Have you got uh, just a, I mean, I'm a lifelong learner and, and I'm a big believer that success leaves clues. And those clues are everywhere around you. If you're brave enough to look for them. And there are a lot of opinions out there in this world. There is a lot of experience in this world and the difference to be able to understand what is experience and what is opinion is becoming increasingly more apparent to me as I get older in these years. Yeah. And, and by which I mean that there are lots of people who are prepared to project their thoughts into a scenario. Sometimes it's advice and sometimes it's opinion. Yeah. The difference between those two things is typically experience. Yes. And I've become far wiser through the years of being able to decide which are the voices that are worthy of listening to or how to filter the voices that are worthy to listen to and to say, ha ha, what I'm hearing in this moment is an opinion and I can receive it as such versus what I'm hearing in this moment is somebody speaking from a position of experience and I can take it as advice. Yes. So the strength of any external voices into my world have grown significantly by my ability to be able to process how much weight I give other people's voices. Yeah. That's probably a big, big change. And in addition to that, what have I learned now is, is, the less you do but better the more distance you can travel mm. so by which if i look at my early career i would have fingers in a lot of pies be doing a lot of different things be stretched remarkably thin what i'm realizing more and more and more is that if you want to be able to create a brand that has lifetime momentum it has to be distilled down to a point that it is only recognizable in any given environment. So when I look at even the body of work around exactly what to say, it started as a sprinkling of words in speeches back in 2008, 2009, 2010. It became a two-page PDF giveaway that would support non-sales professionals in trainings and environments that I would do. It then became a little book called Magic Words that was on the back of a bet with some other speakers, coaches, consultant, friends of mine. 
It then became the book in its existing guise, just as you and I were speaking in 2017. And what it was, was the rewrite of Magic Words. That's what exactly what to say was, is if, if Magic Words was the EP, exactly what to say was me doing this right and turning it into a full album. And if we come back to that point that success leaves clues, too many people are looking to say, what's my next new idea? What's my next new idea? What's my next new idea? When what we might be better to do is to say, what's our best good idea to date? Yes. That we could turn up a few degrees, yes. that we could narrow the gaze on even further, that we could refine to a new level. So I was saying to a friend of mine yesterday when they're saying, well, what is your ambition for the future? I'm like, I'm pretty darn good if um, my tombstone reads loving husband, proud father, author of exactly what to say. Mm. I, I, I have as much clarity to say that I'm OK that my personal brand can be attached to that one tiny body of work, regardless of the fact that I've done tons of other stuff knowing that that will penetrate a market. And I, I've seen too many examples where this has gone wrong. And, and if you take clues from the music industry, the reason John Bon Jovi continues to have a long-term career, Elton John continues to have a long-term career, is many of the great musical artists have gone on to be able to have a sustainable career is because they're still happy to play their greatest hits to a brand new audience. Yeah. And to play it like they are fully aware that there are people that are hearing this song for the first time. So they're going to perform for those people and the people that have heard you play it 300 times. Yeah. And, and that has just got clearer and clearer and clearer in HD in my mind is I can keep doing the same and better and keep finding new audiences to be able to play it to. And uh, is if you have evergreen work, commit to being able to make that work refined to a level of brilliance as opposed to jump to next to next to next to next. I think that's really, really great advice. I always remember talking um, with we had Jack Canfield on the show a number of years ago and Patty Aubrey is president also. And she, you know, she was saying to me about, uh, you know, I would just written a book and she's saying, what are you going to do, do with the book? And when are you going to write the next one? And she said, don't, don't write another one for three, four, five, six years and you know, focus on, on the one that you've already written and uh, leverage that and, you know, get it known. And, uh, and it's really good, really good advice. I think what I'm also thinking about with what you just said, Phil, is that, exactly what to say when you delve into it is an enormous kind of potential universe of of work that can have an impact in so many different situations and scenarios there is enough territory within that yeah to last a lifetime and that's what i've enjoyed as well over the last five years is is originally the launch of the book was to help in commercial scenarios. It was primarily focused to say, how could people be more effective of navigating sales conversations or overcoming indecision when trying to drive um, clarity or negotiations in the workplace? What I've learned over the last five years is this, this plethora of other examples through external parties inviting me into their world to be able to uh, go impact the critical conversation. So now, you know, I've done work with judges and district attorneys. I've done work in healthcare space, helping people better present uh, bedside manner moments that are really quite high impact. Is the work has spread into the area of parenting and governance and teaching, and and I had never intended for it to go in those directions. But the fact that those industries have have pulled me in, and we've looked at rewriting critical conversations within the world of politics, and. 
I never had any of this in my roadmap when we last spoke, but they're all things that have presented themselves. And, and the second you get asked to take your expertise and apply it to a new scenario and people give you the freedom to be able to work around that puzzle, you start to um, grow a level of expertise that is very well-rounded. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a kind of a, and now, you know, there's, more a narrow niche of exactly what to say however when you go into it there's a whole universe of different sectors and segments and you know which which create the the interest and that's uh, you know if, you know i'm somebody who likes quite a lot of variety but i can imagine within that you get lots of variety because it's very different talking to the police to the military to the to a, a, a judge to business owners and let's use that music industry scenario again yeah. is is you know you could have the same 37 songs but every event is different. Every time of day is different. Every audience is different. Do you have a band this time? Do you not have a band? Is this acoustic? Is this, you know, to open an event? Is this to close event? Is this something that you've got 12 minutes for or have you got 90 minutes? Are you the headliner or the warm up? Like, like you can have the exact same ingredients. But if you're really committed to your craft, no two days are the same. And it's the same as a chef, right? Is, you know, a chef is limited by the capacity of what's in the pantry, yet still somebody who loves the art of cooking is going to be able to do the best they can with what they've got in any given moment, depending upon the external purpose that's being presented at that moment. And that's what always changes. Yeah. So um, from your perspective, why is knowing exactly what to say so important? Well, I think you just proved the point in that question um, <laughs> is um, the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment you're saying it. there isn't a person listening to this show right now that doesn't have a plethora of examples where they've walked away from conversations and thought shoulda, woulda, coulda, mm -hmm. or that they've walked away from a conversation and thought who on earth was that idiot? And the person they were talking about is themselves, right? Is, is we know with great certainty that words hold power. We know this more than ever because actually we see the impact of conversations that are just on devices like smartphones, et cetera, where the only thing that existed was words on a page. There was no body language. There was no eye contact. There was no circumstances. There was only words on page. And their impact to be able to build somebody up or pull somebody down or to create an opportunity or close an opportunity is these are happening day in, day out. And we're forgetting just how powerful a simple sequence of words can be at the precise moment of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we get more mature in our own lives too, is if you think about some of the most pivotal moments that have existed in your life, whether it was to help you reframe a situation and see something differently that changed your mindset in a moment, or whether it was a big ask that resulted in you achieving a huge opportunity, or whether it was simply an arm around your shoulder or a pat on the back at a time that you needed it most, most of the moments that are the most pivotal in our lives were accompanied by a critical conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And we remember the feeling, we remember the moment, but what we forget is the fact that it was catalyzed by a conversation. Hmm. You're right. You're right. And if we didn't believe that, we wouldn't even be listening to this show right now. No. No, there were, there were key, yeah, there were key, key moments, aren't there, where words are so so important i always remember someone asking me whether they were busy really a huge the huge client huge job in the city really busy and he called me and said look i've just heard my dad's very ill 
do you think I should continue working? It's difficult to get out of work. Should I go up there? And I said, what does your heart tell you? I need to go up there. And then he called me a few days later and said he passed and he was so grateful because he wouldn't have done it otherwise. But he just hadn't, he was so in his head, you know. Um, and catch your principle that you just adopted there in that scenario. It was instead of giving an answer to a question, you gave a question to the question. The question was laced in curiosity. They helped somebody go on a moment of their own discovery. And it was a well-framed question that demonstrated that you could see the world through that person's eyes allowing them to make a courageous decision to step into what they knew was right you simply asked what does your heart tell you yeah in five words you help somebody go through a catalog of emotions to see a thousand images in their mind's eye to give consideration to hundreds of potential alternate realities to find a moment of crystal clear clarity that said i went from indecision to i've decided and there's nothing stopping me five yeah. words yeah and, and that's that's the you know there's a key here i think isn't there um we've got a couple of minutes to commercial break but you, know, you talk in your book about um it's, it's kind of that we can we can answer I mean, go into a situation just based upon our subconscious minds can't we let let's yep. let it run riot uh and that's not necessarily the right thing to do and I know we only got a short period of time for a break, but if we're to leave a lesson here for those that are listening at home right now is think of the moments that we move to tell mode when we should have responded with an ask. And as parents, as leaders, as friends, as community participants, is the world moves so quickly right now that our natural response is to be able to say, here's what I think is right. Here's the answer. Here's what you need to do when sometimes just taking a beat and asking a question. Yeah. is what creates the moment of clarity as opposed to jumping straight into answer. And I know I've been guilty as it, of it as a father is to try and find the solution as opposed to understand the problem. Yeah. So it is the, you talk about magic words. These are therefore, which we'll talk about after the break. These are, are kind of phrases that are, are helpful and somehow can cut through the noise and the clutter. And... They're remarkably helpful. They're bigger than that. They're, they're 23 sequences of words that talk straight to the subconscious brain. But what they really are is they're 23 principles of influence disguised as a sequence of words. See, if I try to teach people a principle, it would become difficult to understand. They'd struggle to find examples. If I teach people examples, they could better understand the principle because they can bring the example to work in their own world. Yes. So the book is a tool as opposed to a book in its traditional format. And it gives people the confidence to be able to communicate differently and then get new experience as a result. Brilliant. Well, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break. And after the commercial break, we'll we'll start to talk about some of some examples. Um, we can't go through all 23 or 36 or whichever. Um, that, well, there's, there's a lot in this, um, but you need to buy the book yourself, to be honest. It's one of those you need on your shelf, I think, and to study. Um, but we'll talk about some of those examples because there are some lovely, lovely sets of magic words uh, in Phil's book, which um, I think if you could learn to use in um in you know in, in various different scenarios that you find they will just be the most amazing tools for your toolbox so do join us in just a couple of minutes we'll be back again just after the break when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network 
Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency Podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with phil m jones and we're talking about exactly what to say so exactly what do you say in different scenarios exactly um is uh is the question what do we what do we say when we're up against it when we're in those critical moments uh, when uh when your loved one's just about to walk out the door because she's had enough of you what are the what are the words that you use to, <laughs> to bring her back or when your uh your your son teenage son decides to completely ignore you or when you find yourself with that really important sales prospect that you've been trying to get in front of for for many a year so phil I reckon this, I know I've got a list here of 23. I know um, you, you extended sort of book has more in there. I wonder, do you have some favorites? Shall we talk about, shall we talk about some of your favorites? Maybe that's, um, we, we can chat of, favorites or we can take a big step backwards as well. And I think you just touched on something as we came back in from the break here, where it was, you know, what do you say when your spouse has left the house and that there's been a heated discussion or what do you say in preparation towards a big meeting or a, or a giant sales opportunity is I do have favorites of words, but the favorites that I have of words in the book are favorites for different reasons. I speak for a living and I deliver a number of keynote presentations. So sometimes my favorites are the ability to tell a story or to deliver something very purposeful around that sequence of words, create a moment that's magic, that creates a laugh line, or or it's just a joy for me to be able to deliver because it bends somebody's mind. But that makes it my favorite isn't necessarily as useful towards somebody who's listening into today's show. Often, though, what gets missed in the book is that people will take the time to read it and they'll read it and they'll go, I kind of get it. I mean, it's a short, tiny read. The Audible is 72 minutes long. You can cover this in the length of time that you'd watch a couple of Netflix episodes. 
But it's kind of like looking at a 23-piece tool set, right? You can look mm -hmm. at it and go, I've got a hammer, I've got a spanner, I've got a screwdriver, I've got a set of pliers. And you can identify that you have all these tools, but it doesn't make you a master craftsman. It just helps you realize that I've got a hammer and a chisel and a screwdriver. And, a, and I think that's the place that most people end up getting to in the book. They read it, they label these things, they put the book on the shelf and they don't take it further. If these are going to become sequences or favorites within your world, then the only way they're going to become favorites in your world is through application and through practice. But how do you practice? Sure, you can read the book and you can create crib sheets and you can say, how do I learn this? But what happens is, is you learn to sound like me, not the objective. Or you learn the words in the cadence of the book. That's not the objective. See, success in mastery of magic words is the ability to stack. It's the ability to read. It's the ability to be understand where these show up. So my invitation to listeners right now is to find your favorites. And here's how you're going to do it. One of the principles we teach in all of our work at Exactly What to Say, I mentioned earlier, is the fact that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment you're saying it. And that can sound like a joke or a laugh line. It can be easily accepted to be true. But what do you do with that fact? Well, the first thing you should do with that fact is to think about what are the conversations that you're consciously looking to be able to apply this work to, that you're looking to be able to level up. Yeah. And we call these critical conversations. My invitation to you, Chris, and everybody else listening at home right now is to pick three critical conversations in your life right now. Pick one that maybe has some form of commercial application. Yeah. Whether this is dealing with an inbound inquiry in your business or overcoming a core objection or presenting your price or um, how you show up towards a customer forum or whatever it might be, something that has commercial application, but as precise a moment as possible. Then secondly, pick a leadership moment. You might have a morning huddle with your team, a weekly get together. You might have a series of one to ones that are coming up. I don't know what it might be, but pick one precise leadership moment that you're looking to level up. And then thirdly, pick one conversation that matters most in your personal life. And I'll give you an example of a conversation that matters in my personal life that I'm giving hyper focus to at this point, because I know I need to get better at, is I travel a lot for a living, which means there's times where I'm home and there's times I'm away, which means there's this repeating moment of me re-entering the home. Mm. could be 36 hour window of time gone. It could be a four day window of time gone. And what it means is my wife and I have lived two separate lives for a period of time and it comes back together again. We've lived two separate lives and it comes back together again. What I've realized is a critical conversation in my world is the first 30 seconds of conversation that leaves my mouth when I re-enter the home. See, if I can decide three moments that are intentional for me, one that I'm looking to get better at that's commercial, one that's leadership and one that's personal, and just focus everything on those, I'm automatically going to get better at those conversations. Yes just because I've decided that these are more important. Yes. By starting in that position, you're saying these are the conversations that matter to me, not how do I get better at communication or how do I get better at conversation? If you decide the leadership moment you're looking to get better at is huddles, and then you get better at your morning huddle, do you think that skill will then bleed into all other areas of your leadership communication? Absolutely. Of course it will. So what we try to encourage for everything exactly what to say is to be more intentional with your language. It's not about having these quick-witted one-liners to allow you to be able to persuade more freely. It's about becoming more intentional. That starts with saying, what are the conversations that matter? Now what you can do is you can read the book and say, how would every example in this book be applied to how I could improve in that one commercial scenario, in that one leadership scenario, in that one personal scenario? 
test it, flex it, look to be able to say, well, how could I use it here? And now what you've got is real world application plus hypothetical word choices. You can bring it to work in your world, write your own examples towards something you already decided that mattered. It's not hypothetical anymore. You're going to use this this afternoon. Yeah. That's how I'd start to be able to find your favorites. I then take it in another direction. If there are 23 sequences of words, give yourself a month. Give yourself a set of words a day. Take some days off, but across a period of a 30 or a 31 day month, I mean, geez, even a 28 day month, pick a sequence of words. And all I'd invite you to do is to find as many practical applications as possible for one sequence of words. Go obnoxious with it. Use it at the grocery store. Use it when you're looking to be able to chat with your kids. Use it when you're trying to be able to get more from the takeout restaurant. I don't care where it is. Find as many ways to get to force it into your language in that daily basis. In those two approaches, right, the whole book through your three critical conversations, one sequence of words through as many different applications as possible, in a month, you start to be able to up-level your own operating system because you gain a lot of experience in a short period of time. And that would be my invitation to you and everybody else listening here right now. Choose your three critical conversations. Find the application. Pick a sequence of words every day and force it through a month. And once you've leveled up all of those three critical conversations, swap to a new three. Hmm. Swap to a new three and give yourself the gift of continued development in this area. Yeah. Because the words are really useful in isolation. They're life-changing in combination. Yes. Yes. Bill, that's that's, um, wonderful advice because... uh... You know, these these sort of patterns of words and language are very easy to to forget unless you go into some kind of yeah, sense of in, intent with them really aren't they and and correct to study it study it like a like a program like a martial art form exactly is that is yeah. that you know you can in the dojo learn all the moves you can follow the textbook and learn all the moves but unless you understand the objective is to score these points or to win this match or to achieve this outcome yes then the application lacks purpose, which means you don't gain real experience. If we can define the purpose first yes, and the moment and then find the application, the experience gets fast-tracked because it has instant application. It has, it has real, real world worth. Consequences. Real consequences, yeah. And, and the ability then to start to see, to see some real impact from doing it, yeah. which then reinforces, I need to keep on studying this more, really. And much of the work around exactly what to say is not like, does it work or does it not work? Because you can achieve the outcome you're looking for a variety of different ways. What most of these word choices do in this book is they increase your efficiency. Yeah. Which increase your speed in our scenarios, which increases the ability to get to moments of clarity in a shorter period of time. And in the fast paced world that we live in, sometimes you don't have 15 conversational points to repair a relationship with a loved one. Sometimes you don't have three hours to find a moment of clarity with a colleague. Mm. Sometimes you don't have more than 30 seconds to win a powerful first impression with a prospect. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, let's just, um, that's been really, really helpful to get a sense of how to work with this. Let's just share a few examples and then, uh, and then, you know, I think we can have a look from a, a commercial perspective maybe well, I might just, should i pick two examples at random that i think would be helpful go to people go on then you do that yeah is there's something else that, that we believe 
with with huge, huge, huge confidence is that your success is in direct correlation to the quantity of quality asks that you make in your life. And I repeat that again, is your success is in direct correlation to your quantity of quality asks that you make in your life. People also know that if you do not ask, you do not get. That is a known fact. Yet still, there is a big reason why people do not ask for the things that they want in life. Yeah. What do you think, from your point of view, Chris, is a big reason why people do not ask for the things they want in life? Fear. Yeah. And fear of what? Fear of rejection. Yeah. See, I can ask that question in any room, anywhere in the world. I get the same response. People know that if you do not ask, you do not get. They'll accept that their success is in direct correlation to the quantity of quality asks that they make in their life. Knowing both those things are true, they still stop asking for things because they're fearful of rejection. Yeah. So some of the sequences of words that we share are what I call rejection-free opening formulas. Yeah. Sequences of words you can use to ask just about anybody, just about anything, that are completely rejection-free. If I give people a tool to be more suggestive in their asks, they'll ask more often. And if rejection is removed as an option, they'll ask with more confidence. Simple example of that is the preface of the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, but... Mm. That sequence of words is a rejection-free opening formula. And why? If we go slow with it, if somebody was to say to you the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, what does your subconscious brain or little voice think? Well, it thinks um, two things. Yeah, I think it, uh, it, takes the, it takes the pressure off because it might, it might not be for me. So I'm not trying to, you're not trying to tell me it is for me. I'm so giving you I, an out. You're giving me an out. Yeah, you, you give me an escape route. Yeah. See, if I position something to the left or the right of you, what your little voice first hears is it says, well, I'll be the judge of that. Like it takes full personal decision, um, well, full personal responsibility for the fact that a decision needs to be made and that decision is mine to make. Yeah. There was zero pressure. Yeah. So when I say I'm not sure if it's for you, you know a decision-making moment is coming and you know that I am not pressurizing you into being able to make that decision. There's another thing that happens, though, with that preface that is really useful is curiosity is peaked. Yes. The natural lean in is to what is the other side of this statement? I want to know there is a big curiosity gap that has now got my attention. See, if I said to you, I'm not sure if it's for you, but what are you up to next weekend? You're not going to leave this. No, You need to no, know no. what I'm thinking about. Yeah. You might want to join me out or not. Yeah. But you see, when I use the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, but, the word but here is used on purpose. See, many people think that the only use of the word but is to negate what was said prior. Often people say that you should swap the word but for and. And in many sets of circumstances, swapping the word but for and is a conscious choice that we should make to make both parts of the thing true. Yet the word but doesn't always just negate what was said prior. What the word but actually really does is it doesn't negate what was said prior. It's not a backspace. What the word but does is it shifts the focus to next. That's what but actually does when you study mm. it further. Mm. So when I say to you the words, I'm not sure if it's for you, but your little voice hears, well, I'll be the judge of that. What is it? And then can't stop looking at the thing. They want to be focused on the thing that comes next. So a simple rejection-free opening formula would be the sequence of words. I'm not sure if it's for you, but look how mm. we can utilize that in our real world. If you're a leader, could you say things like, I'm not sure if it's for you, but there is an opportunity that is opening up in another part of the organization that I think you might be a great fit for. If you're looking to be able to make a suggestion to your spouse, could you say, hey, I'm not sure if it's for you, but we might be able to get hold of some tickets for a great show next weekend? Yes. 
could you say to a existing client, I'm not sure if it's for you, but many of our other customers are seeing huge success with blank. It allows you to be pulley and not pushy, mm. which is the thing that most people are fear of. They're fearful that you're pushing your agenda. But when you can pull them towards an alternative, they feel like they're in control. And I give one quick example on top of this before we get to commercial break, which another sequence of words, which I think is ridiculously useful. Basic piece of brain science to understand first is that the whole world likes to see themselves as open-minded. If I asked a room of a thousand people who in this room sees themselves as open-minded, I'd get around 900 hands raised to the sky. I'm still pretty sure the 100 hands that didn't raise wouldn't raise regardless of what I asked, like cash, cookies, cake, those hands aren't raising regardless. So I learned a fact that the whole world likes to see themselves as open-minded. I repeat, see themselves as open-minded. Mm -hmm. When you apply that fact to another principle of persuasion, that it's the person who's asking the questions that's in control of the conversation. When you take that principle applied to that fact, we just got another rejection-free opening formula, which is the question, how open-minded would you be? Yes. See, that preface moves things to 90-10 in my favor. As a leader, you could say things like, how open-minded would you be to taking on more responsibility? As a parent, you could say, well, how open-minded would you be to at least helping me with this? Yeah. As a sales environment, you would be, well, how open-minded would you be to growing your relationship with us? Or how open-minded would you be to trying something new? I mean, geez, everybody listening right now, how open-minded would you be to utilize the words, how open-minded are you more often? Mm. Hey. Right. It, it is. It again makes us pulley and not pushy. It covers a lot of ground. It has people lean in. Quite often in an ask, people think they need to make the big, bold ask. You don't. You need to make the ask that gets them to say things like, tell me some more about that. Yeah. People think they're not good at first dates. Most people are pretty darn good at first dates. They're just not good at asking people to go on first dates. Yeah. When they're sat at the table and they've got a beverage in front of them and that they're having a chance to better connect, catch up and connect on life, many people are good at that conversation, the opening. It's the permission to be in that conversation that most people are missing. And simple rejection-free opening formulas like that give people permission to have more of the conversations they'd like to have. Fantastic, Phil. So how open-minded are you to go to commercial break right now? <laughs> <laughs> I have a coffee in front of me and I've been talking a long time. I am very open-minded to take it. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, and we'll listen to our partners. <laughs> Excellent. We'll go to commercial break. We'll be back with you in a couple of minutes. Do join us after the break for uh, for more wise, helpful thoughts on exactly what to say. We're back with you again in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one -one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. 
The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. Uh, welcome back. I'm with Phil M. Jones. We're talking about exactly what to say. And and Phil, we were just talking in the break and just, you know, just sort of commenting to you that you know the words are clearly very, very important, but also actually the intent behind them and the way that you say them. Do you want to share a little bit of your thoughts on that? Yeah, for sure. And you know, I've had time to puzzle on this, right? We we mentioned earlier that the last time we spoke was five years ago. I published this book in 2017 and it was a it was a body of work that was experienced to me at the time. Now, since that point, five years on, I've been quizzed around these things a number of times and even got the privilege of having some one-star reviews of the book on Amazon.com, etc., which are joyful to learn from. <laughs> and the thing that I've learned to be able to understand is firstly, is there is a big difference between influence and manipulation. Because these are tools that could be used for either, right? It, it, there's no question that you could use these tools for either. And I think it was Peter Parker that first said it, maybe Uncle Ben. They said that, that, that with great power comes great responsibility. Mm. The same is true with around tools like this for influences is they can be used for good or they can be used for evil. But the difference between manipulation and persuasion or influence is integrity. It's are you truly committed to the moment you're looking to influence or the moment that you're looking to try and persuade is actually good for the other person? And if your integrity is the fact that this is for them as opposed to this is for you, then get after it. If what you're looking to better do is to utilize these skills for your primary benefit and at the expense of the other person, hmm, that says more about you, your character, than it does about the ability to be able to utilize the words. In the same way, you could use a chisel to be able to craft a beautiful wooden sculpture. You could use a chisel for some fairly obnoxious things if that's the way your mind went. Yeah. So the choice here is, is down to the user. What else there is, though, is there is a difference between not just the words, but how you use the words. And I think one of the reasons that the audiobook has found such success um, in a demonstrable different factor to the print book, print book's done great, but the audiobook is done gangbuster, is 
because of things like tonality of voice, because of things like emphasis, because of things like pause. You mentioned to me in the break that the way that you present this information is powerful in terms of the way that, that, that it's being received. And I've had some time to think about that on distillation to say, what is the difference? And the only thing I can conclude it to be is the fuel that is used to power the conversation. I use those words intentionally here as well. And the fuel in my mind to power a conversation purposefully is curiosity. Hmm. If you are fueling these words with curiosity, you will receive positive outcomes. Yes. If you are fueling conversations with arrogance, speed, fueling conversations with aggression, you might get a punch for a punch. Mm. Yeah, if curiosity is the fuel for the way you are positioning these prefaces, if curiosity is the intent that sits behind the question you're asking, if curiosity is used even to pace the delivery of your ask, then you will find that the recipient will work harder to give you more meaningful answers. The recipient will be in the conversation with a lot more intent because what they feel like is that you are thinking for them. And if they feel like you are thinking for them, they show up more. If they feel like you have thought for them, they will be feeling judged. And if they are feeling judged, they will move to defense. So that's all kind of deep. But the simplification <laughs> is, if you want to find increased levels of success in utilizing the words and exactly what to say, fuel every application with a hyper dose of sincere curiosity. Yeah. Love it. I think uh, what's, what's made me curious in thinking about this interview in myself getting back into the, because I, I remember going through all the kind of NLP journey and various things in my past and, and as, and as a coach and questions are really important, but what, what, what has got me thinking about your work and why I think it's also very helpful is, uh, is that I do welcome life being, being more effortless. Mm -hmm. And if you, and if you think about different situations, you might find yourself in the ability to choose the right words and, and get through a conversation very positively and inspirationally with people without all of the noise, the stress, risk of fallout, risk of offending people. That that just provides clutter in your life and makes life not effortless. It makes it, you know, one of dis-ease. So I, I think your work is is very helpful for that in in adding a greater sense of effortlessness and possibly for people when they work with you, they will see a higher degree of wisdom. Correct. You can learn from. That is the objective. And, and, and the objective is often around reducing friction, finding shared moments of clarity easier, gaining commitment on both sides more simply. And unfortunately, many of us have grown up in a world, particularly when you think about sales culture, where you won the sale, you won the deal, you won the business, which means if there is a winner, that means there also needs to be a loser. Yet success in the modern world really is dependent upon all parties feeling like they're winning. So there is this fight in the stereotype of what winning looks like as both a leader, as a sales professional, as even a, a parent or a community member that is winning at the expense of somebody else. Yet if sustainability is going to exist within societies, within cultures, within businesses, we need to create environments where everybody wins, or at least yeah. everybody feels like winning. 
And what is fun to understand is that winning is not actually a destination. Winning is, in fact, a feeling. Mm. See, how many times have you achieved a ridiculously high level of success and felt like a failure? And how many occasions have you achieved something that for many would have been, well, of course, and felt like you'd won the World Cup? Yeah. So the metric of winning can mean different things to different people. But if you have enough emotional intelligence entering into a conversation is you can create moments where everybody leaves feeling like they won. Yeah. That's the goal of the world that I'd like to live in. And that's why we keep elevating our consciousness around this work to be able to find new application for it. That it started as saying, how could I get somebody to, with confidence, make a decision to be able to buy this over that or this with that instead of saying, no, thank you. But it's now moved towards bigger puzzles to solve Hmm. and and helping people find positions of certainty with integrity more often. Yes. And and how do we, at the moment, it feels like the, in this world, the stakes are getting higher. We're going through difficult, difficult times. We've got uh, a media that also can, can help, but often stirs up. And we've got politicians who would like uh, a share of your subconscious mind. (laughs) and to to influence it how do we get the message of the importance of the right words and and integrity across when it can feel like there is less and less integrity um the 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 trouble chris is is that is that the definition of winning is different to too many different people and In a world that we currently live in where the fight for attention is a real struggle, the factors and the methods that people will jump to in order to be able to win attention are going to become more polarizing because the only way you can gain attention in such a crowded marketplace is to do things that are more extreme or more obnoxious or are in some way going to pattern interrupt somebody's day in a way that's going to win that attention. I feel like there's a path through this where actually right is going to start to be able to overpower right result. But the route towards that is for more people to understand is instead of trying to find the solution, they'd do a lot better work if they spent time trying to understand the problem. Hmm. And what starts to happen, actually, from a mature leader's point of view, and you'll have seen this even through your body of work and the great stuff that you're doing with other leaders within your communities that you're building right now is when you take the time to understand the problem, people trust you with the solution. When you try to explain to people that you have their solution, they will work like crazy to explain to you that that's not their problem. Mm. So the goal is, can we make people default to a position of curiosity more often? If that happens, the world changes for the better. And that is as simple as... When your kid says that they're having difficulty at school, we don't become quick to judge. We become quick to understand. Yeah. Right through to when a result isn't going your way in the workplace, you don't look externally for clues or to try and find the Band-Aid solution or say that we just need to. Like if you're saying we just need to, you're already lost. What we just need to do is to stop, slow down and understand. 
And in a hyper growth world, the, the, the almost every organization, family and group has gone through in the last 25 years, that growth and change in the way the world landscape has moved in the last 25 years is highly likely, unlikely to be repeated in the same way. And I don't think enough of us have stopped and caught breath and said, Haha, hang on, what does winning look like? What do we predict the future to look like? What is the purpose behind what it is that we're trying to be able to do here? What could potential solutions look like? What have other people done in the past? It is this ability to be able to get a greater level of clarity on the situation before we just go again, before we say you just, before we say, oh, all that needs to happen is we spend more time trying to be able to understand. And if you and other folks are listening in right now, in any difficult situation, can find a default position of curiosity, will reach positions of greater certainty in time. Yeah, and it's a great it's a great attribute, curiosity. I remember interviewing um, a senior guy in Costa Coffee and asking him what um, what they interviewed on. What was the most important criteria? And they said curiosity. or look for curiosity, uh, and it is it is so important. It's not easy to teach, um, but it is a very it's not easy to practice policy. no but the job is to keep catching yourself and if you look at every conversation that didn't go your way i'm a hundred percent certain that if you remain curious for longer ask three four five more curious questions earlier in that process you'd have reached a more positive outcome quicker yeah and and phil i'm i'm we've just got a couple of minutes before the end of the show actually it's gone a heck of a pace and so i'm i'm curious to understand how how best do people connect with your body of work, you know, besides buying the book, buying the audio? I know you're kind of creating a movement out of uh, exactly what to say. I love to genuinely hear from people who bump into my work through other people's shows. So if somebody's taken something from today's conversation, come find me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. And on both those platforms, my, my handle is Phil M. Jones UK. So come find me there and, and and tell me that you're a friend of Chris Cooper's and the show and 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 let me know something you took from today's discussion. It'd be great to connect there. We're also building out a body of work at exactlywhattosay.com. And this is this creation of a movement around raising the consciousness around the, the body of spoken word. And we've got great articles there in the site that talk about lots of different critical conversations that are nothing to do with the book, but are, are born in the principles of the book and have a poke around there on the site. And we are even about to launch a 31-day challenge there where you get insights into each of the sequences of words that sit in the expanded book and get to meet one of our certified guides and um, get given a challenge as to how you can apply those words on that given day to be able to get some real-world experience. Fantastic. Well, this sounds great, Phil. Um, I've been absolutely brilliant talking to you today. Do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? Oh, man, if there's a final message, I think I'd probably just wrap it up as four things in summary, which is a reminder that the worst time to think about the thing you're going to say is in the moment you're saying it. So get laser focused on your critical conversations to note that curiosity is the superpower. It is the fuel for every great conversation. If you're prepared to give it that fuel, remember that people do things for their reasons and not yours. And finally, that it's the person who's asking the questions that's in control of the conversation. So if there is a parting message it is to note that if you do change your words you could change your world brilliant uh, amazing phil thank you so much love talking to you again great catching up with you um exactly what to say.com uh, to check out phil's work connect with him on linkedin instagram do the same with me i always love to hear from you as well any questions comments thoughts feedback it's just brilliant to hear from you and uh, know that you're listening and know that you're 
you're engaging and enjoying and learning from um, these conversations on next week's show um uh, serendipitous we're talking about superpowers we're talking about energetic superpowers with nick haynes and heroic actions and we're going to be talking about what stops us from going out and and being um the hero going out and, and taking action what are the things that might hold us back uh, like it's going to be too hard, going to be too difficult. What are those um, limiting beliefs that we need to eradicate? So um, Nick is an amazing guy, um, a kindness expert um, it's with a super amazing background. I always love talking to him. We're going to be doing that next week, which uh, fits beautifully on with today. So once again, thanks so much to Phil M. Jones. Exactly what to say. Uh, and um, from me as well, I wish you all a tremendous week. Uh, go away. Think about those words. Um, exact get hold of the resources that you need because i'm going to be doing it i'm going to spend my time giving this some focus because i i realize in my life it's uh, important to get even better at this uh, than i maybe um think i am right now there's definitely scope and margin for improvement so phil thank you everybody take care we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.